Happy 300 game to NBL legend and Wildcat champion, our captain, Damian Martin, six-time defensive player of the year, plays 300 this weekend. Turn on the tellies, get down to the game, check him out. Much love. Hello, Wildcats. All right, Wildcats, welcome back. And to open up the podcast this week, what I've got for you is a little segment called Little Known Facts About Some Well-Known Cats, in which case I'm just going to run through some facts that I've found just scrolling the internet, things I've picked up over my time, just kind of following the NBL about some cats. It's called Well-Known Cats, but there's going to be some cats you may may not know in there as well, which is going to be all, all part of the fun. But I'll share some things with you guys so you can uh, you can talk about them in your conversations when chatting about the cat. Number one. Kevin Lish played for the Cats a couple of years ago. We actually saw him when we played against Sydney this week. He was an NBL champion with the Wildcats, a grand final MVP and a two-time MVP of the league. And Sydney, they're very lucky to have him. He didn't shoot super well this weekend. He didn't play super great this weekend, but it's going to take a few more games for him to get back after the injury. He played for the Wildcats between the 2009-2013 seasons. What an honor it was to watch him rock out in those Cats threads, so a shout-out to Kev. However, my first little-known fact about a well-known cat is that Kevin's father, Russell Rusty Lish, was a former professional American football quarterback in the NFL, so the National Football League. So he played five seasons for the St. Louis Cardinals between 1980 and 1983 and the prestigious Chicago Bears in 1984. After five seasons in the league, Lish only managed one touchdown versus 11 interceptions thrown. He retired with a 25.1 passer rating, which trust me, I watch a fair bit of NFL, that is awful. That's one touchdown per 11 interceptions. So granted, Lish's uh, old man Russ didn't live in an analytical time. You may excuse them for the allowing him to play for five years, but nonetheless, it's an awful stat. Lish's rather bad NFL career caused him to receive the honor, if you want to call it that, of the worst player in NFL history from sports blog Deadspin in 2011, saying Lish, after all, was a fourth round pick who had backed up Joe Montana, one of the greats, at Notre Dame, or Notre Dame as they call it. But if you have one game you need to lose and you require a quarterback to take you there, Lish is hands down the man you want. In 115 career attempts, he threw one touchdown and 11 interceptions. That one touchdown came in St. Louis on October 9th, 1983. The pass traveled at a single yard, so one yard to a tight end, Doug Marshall. That's my first fact for you guys. My second one is ex-Wildcat Scott Fisher, who had his number 30 retired by the Wildcats. You guys would definitely know him. He's a very well-known cat. After 247 games with the Wildcats, also a two-time NBL champion with the Cats, should be noted. So shout out, Scott Fisher. And he is currently married to Clint Eastwood's ex-wife, Dina, born Dina Marie Ruiz. So watch out, Scotty Fish. Clint was part of the US military. However, I just read that he wasn't actually posted out in contests. So, you know, shoot your shot because he may not shoot his. My third my third little fact for you guys, hope you're enjoying these as we're running through, is Andrew Vlahov. So you guys all know Andrew Vlahov, one of the Wildcats legends. He appeared as a brand ambassador on some advertisements for king-size menswear. And firstly, I want to say, dude looks like G.I. Joe. So getting him to be the face of your brand is, is genius. Secondly... There are some of the most cringeworthy ads I've ever seen. Some of the outfits were probably outdated, even for those ads. Keyed into Google, Andrew Vlahov, king size ad, and you'll be entertained, no doubt. Once again, thank you very much, Andrew. My number four fact is a really simple, quick Google search from you guys. Simply type in Tariko White and Wikipedia, scroll down to the tab titled Personal, and prepare to be shocked and enjoy that one. Fifth, guys, 
This one you may remember. So in 2015, Jermaine Bill dropped 10 threes one night in the jungle. So the fun fact is, in his season opener in 2014 against the New Zealand Breakers, he went 2 of 17 from the field. And then he followed that on against Melbourne United where he shot 0 from 10 from 3. Now that's interesting because a season later, he actually knocked down those 10 magical threes against Melbourne in 2015. That's incredible, and it highlights Bill's inconsistency. But I just got to say, I caught that game at home, and you could just hear the jungle rocking every single shot the guy put up. It was honestly one of the most incredible things to watch. So much fun. Jermaine Bill, shout out. My sixth stat is the Perth Wildcats have the tallest player in NBL history, and that was Sam Harris. He played six games for the Wildcats in the 09-10 season, his NBL career didn't really develop past that, but he stood seven foot three inches and he was 123 kilos. Oof, not a small fella. That's one of my little facts for you. I got another fact. Go on here. And this one's about Bryce Cotton. He actually, and this is, this is great news for all of Australia if it comes through. He lodged his application for Australian citizenship earlier this year. So we could see Bryce potentially in a boomer's uniform. I don't know. I don't really know the rules around that, but I assume once you get citizenship, you can play, and it would be fun. And I have an additional fun fact on Cotton for you guys. So in the 2013-14 season, he was the only player in college in the United States of America to average more than 40 minutes per game. So he averaged 40.1 minutes per game, which was more than any other player in, in the nation at that time, which is huge. So as you can see, the NBL requires players who can go the distance with the lack of depth in some of the teams. Therefore, the Cats went and found themselves a big, big engine to power them through this NBL season. And kudos for them for doing so because it's paying dividends to date. Another stat for you guys, Tariko White. This one, I'm actually going to give you a legit one because if anyone's actually Googled the other one, you may, uh, you may be hating on me. Tariko White used to be a complete dunk highlight package coming out of college. So head on to YouTube, watch Tariko dunk highlights from like the late, the late thousands, early 2010s. And there's one highlight where it's like clutch time in college and he forces a steal. It's in a one-point game and he just stuffs home a huge jam. It's awesome. Like kind of behind the backboard. You don't think he's going to get there, but he just jams that thing home. Particularly, there's a video called Is Tariko White the Best Dunker in the NBA posted in 2011? So it just demonstrates the absolute handyman the dude is throwing down hammers harder than a carpenter. But we don't see that so much these days. He's, his career has been slightly plagued with a few injuries. He still throws it down like... He's one of the dudes on our team who are definitely throwing down the alley-oop dunk, other being Dario Hunt. But I'd say that Tariko is more likely to be throwing one up. And my final fun facts for you guys. This cat here is very well known. Not, not for being a cat, but for being one of the best Australian basketballers in history. And that's Luke Longley, who played two games for the cat. So I'm going I'm to chuck him in here. Bad luck to everyone out there. He paid $2,900 on an auction on eBay to the rights to name a new species of shrimp. How cool is that? As a present to his daughter... Claire Hannah Longley, he decided to name the new species of fish, which he obviously bought the rights to. He named it Lebius Claire Hannah or Lebus Claire Hannah for all the uh, marine biologists out there who want to hit me up in my comment section. I'm just getting constantly hit up by marine biologists for my mispronunciations. So Lebius Claire Hannah, that's from Luke Longley. And what we're going to do now, guys, is we're going to roll into the reviews and hopefully you've had a little bit of fun in that opening and uh, are ready to kick into it. Business time. Let's go. Two and all over the weekend, Wildcats. Homicide, where you at? I called you out last pod. How's that feeling, Wildcats? We took on the top of the ladder Kings and then a road trip to Melbourne on that short weekend. 
and it couldn't keep the cats down as we shake that streak and of those double L's which we were previously holding to turn over a really big, big back-to-back weekend win. And we were completely written off, like completely written off. Like So NBA Overtime had their fun and no one checked Corey Homicide Williams on the panel. So looking at you, Cam and Liam, like it's cool. We looked rough and I, I agree with you. But how was the statement made on Friday night in the first half when we came out and dropped 70, 70 points on your just showing that we can catch fire when we need to. The Wildcats are now 10-5 and five after the weekend, and we've reminded the league that to win the NBL title, you've got to go through the Cats first. No one tell that to Cairns, though, to be fair, because those guys over in Queensland are some bad men, and they handed us some, some troubles, so we're going to preview that shortly. Cairns themselves actually handed Sydney their second loss this weekend. This puts Perth only one game off the pace for the top spot. Sydney currently sit 11-3 and three now, so watch out, Kings. The jungle's rumbling and waking up for you. We're coming. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to review both games in this one segment for you guys today as it really was a whole weekend performance. And not only that, but look, we have a lot of content to claw through this week and and being Wildcats, we want to keep this thing rolling. What I'm going to do for you guys is I'm going to give you my takeaways from the weekend. One of my big takeaways from the weekend was Lint, White Chocolate, Steindl, 30 points over the weekend. We're going to be seeing 10 plus points per game from Clint for the rest of the season. I'm hoping anyway. He's definitely got the position and he's getting the confidence to, to do so at the moment. And by position, I mean he's definitely getting himself into the positions he wants to be in. You can see why he's given the green light at the start of this NBL 20 season. That jumper is wet. Splashes the bottom of the net. He played a total of 32 minutes over the weekend and managed to turn that into a very productive performance. So like I said, those 30 points. His off-ball movement and around pin-down screens creates that two meters he needs to get that shot off. And once he gets his motion going, look, he does make it stick like honey and uh, green like Clint is money. So my second takeaway from this weekend was, secondly, guys, we shot 37% from three against Sydney on 29 shots, and then we decided to lean into the three once again on the weekend and shot it 31 more times on Sunday for 15 makes on 48% shooting for those who aren't doing the quick math. Either way, catch the ball, let it fly. And the Wildcats team was on a mission from beyond the arc, and we made them pay for it. As part of the Perth game plan, we generally shot the long ball around 30 times a game. But from an eye test perspective, on Sunday, we just got more open and we just took better shots. So... I thought we got open, to be fair, both both games, but more so on the Sunday after we had that confidence coming off the Friday game as well. So Trevor Gleeson has obviously made this off-ball movement a point of emphasis in creating separation for shooters and making the appropriate reads with the ball, ensuring open shots and a high three-point shooting percentage. Obviously, there is big analytical data and arguments around shooting the three-ball, that being more points generated per shot, and longer rebounds from three-point shooters generally result in a better chance of your team rebounding it. So obviously, the defensive rebounders box out. When you shoot it from a longer distance, you're going to get those longer rebounds more likely coming out to your team. Either way... No more long twos. We're settling on threes. We're going the old Daryl Morey boring James Harden comparison here. Maybe not. We don't really want to stop the ball. My third takeaway from this weekend was the inside defense is back. And what did I say that we needed to clean up after last week's pot? And that was points in the paint. And we've been giving up way too many easy points inside. And that's due to us not playing good team defense inside. This weekend we fixed it. Outscoring Sydney 42-32 to 32 and then splitting the stat with South East Melbourne, which is still an improvement considering Mitch Craig's ability to finish inside and the defensive game that both these two teams do play. A big reason for this was the revival of Nick Kay's NBL 20 season, and that brings me on to my next part. So takeaway four, y'all woke up Nick Kay. And a lot of talking is going down that Nick Kay looked tired. Nick Kay had played his best basketball already this year. Nick Kay isn't doing the 1% as he was last season. Like, all right. 
So what explains Nick K that rocked up this weekend? Nick K just showed all of you over this doubleheader weekend, still one of the best power forwards in the NBL. Back-to-back double-doubles this weekend after only having one until this point in this NBL season. 19 points, 13 boards, four O boards in that on 75% shooting. 75% shooting. That's that efficient Nick K action we want to see. And that was against Sydney, so the top of the ladder Sydney, which gives us great hope if we do face some playoff times that Nick K can find his shot. In his second game, 18 points, 12 boards, six of those being offensive boards, getting hard after the offensive boards, which was great to see. On 53% shooting, Special K back to his special best. When Nick K produces like this, we're going to win a lot more often than not. So keeping an eye on Nick K for the rest of this season, guys. My fifth takeaway from this game, it's good to have terrific Tariko White back. Now there are certain guys in this league who look just comfortable. Letting the game come to them and they almost look like they're moving in slow motion because they read the game so well. A few of these guys that come to mind are like Scott Mikado, Mitch Creek, Glenn Rice, no longer in the league, but his style of play is more what I'm alluding to. Side note on Glenn Rice, I'm really hoping he gets the help he needs because he's obviously got some stuff going down and there's an argument to, to be made, obviously, that he shouldn't have got a contract in the NBL, definitely. But look, what I got to see of him this year, like kind of confident operator and looking purely on the basketball court, he's a fantastic player. But what I'm more alluding to is these guys, these three guys' ability, along with Tariko to let the game come to them and to make those reads. And, you know, it's, it's not that they're moving slowly. It's just that they know where the space is and what to do with it. Like you see, masters of any sports around the world and how they use space. But he was back to his confident best this weekend, putting up two fairly similar performances. So that was great to see. He dropped 20 points on 42% shooting against Sydney and then 19 points on 43% shooting against the Phoenix. An underrated three-point shooter, may I add, five of 10 from the arc against the Phoenix. Main concern with Tariko is ensuring he remains healthy and out there because as you saw what happened to the Cats when we lost him, there's a fine line to walk with this Cats team and injuries got to be monitored real closely, especially a guy like Tariko. He goes out, second option goes out. We are really trying to stretch for those points. Got to keep him around it, guys. Another takeaway from the guys, and this is my final takeaway, and it's that cotton candy is the hottest selling arena snack food around the NBL. Bryce Ice Baby is a problem, a massive, massive problem for your team. So 26 points on 70% shooting from like a six foot one inch guard who's getting doubled and banged around all game. It's just incredible to see. He's absolutely buried the Phoenix and reminded the league that he is a former MVP himself. 27 points against the league leaders Sydney were enough to drive this stake through the hearts of Will Weaver's Kings. Keep your eye on Bryce Cotton, people, because he's going to be big for the remainder of the season. You already heard me tell you previously that the guy knows how to play long minutes. He's going to latch on to a 40-point game this season. I'm just waiting to see it. So holding out hope. What we're going to do just quickly to finish off these previews is we're going to give you a quick rundown of the ladder because there's been a little bit that's changed. So the Sydney Kings sit atop 11-3, followed by the Cats 10-5, then Melbourne United 8-6, Cairns Taipans, the new team in the top four. 7-7 seven and seven after taking some huge scalps. That drops Southeast Melbourne out of the top four, sitting at six wins, six losses. Uh, the Sixers then follow them with six wins, seven losses. Bullets, six wins, seven losses. Actually, that'll change. They'll be six wins, eight losses. New Zealand Breakers have just played them. They had a win themselves. So they'll go up to four wins, nine losses. And the Hawks round out the bottom, which is three wins and 10 losses, guys. So what we're going to do now is... On the Hawks themselves, I'm just going to answer for you guys a little Twitter question that I received in this week because I think it's a really nice time to transition into that and I'm feeling it. So let's go. (laughs) 
So I received a question this week in from fellow podcaster Thomas. And Thomas's Twitter handle is at Roboldo, R-O-B-B-O-L-D-O number 360. So Roboldo 360. And he has a pod of his own, which is called Unfiltered. And he's just released episode three of that. And it's a really great little pod. So I highly, highly recommend it to you guys. I jumped on his episode two and we went back and forth. So you guys can jump on that as well if you want to hear a little bit more of what I've got to say and get a bit of what Tom's got to say as well. He's a teenager, which is just kind of giving some great insights into into music and life and sport and really well around his WWEs. I know there's a lot of sports fans out there who cross over in that WWE realm. So definitely check him out. Anyway, he asked me a question this week, which was it was a great question because it's very topical and it was how will Lamelo ball's injury impact the hawks and do they rely on him too much so a bit of a double-barreled question here so thank you very much tom for the question so let's break this one down a little bit so firstly let's look at Lamelo ball's injury so he hurt his foot in practice and he must be pretty badly bruised and i'm sure they're going to take all the precautions in the world with him because they've given him four weeks to recover i know there's some conspiracy takes out there which believe that after all those articles were released on him being projected number one pick, that you know now he's holding out game time because he doesn't want to jeopardize his draft stocks. He can't anywhere up from one, I guess. No, I've I've seen on Twitter from pretty good sources around the league that he was actually seen with walking boot on, and you know it all checks out. So conspiracy theorists, relax. Pitchforks down on that one, guys. But obviously, I wanted to get back out on the court for his sake, as well as ours, obviously. The dude is fun as anything to watch. As I said, he's expected to miss the four weeks. And I guess the big question here is, are the Hawks better with him or without him? So, Tom, all the news headlines this season will tell you that Lamelo is averaging 17 points, 7.5 rebounds, 6.8 assists in 31 minutes of game time, dramatically improving his draft stock in the process. And when you look at the, those stats alone against men at what age of 18, it's incredible. It's awesome. It's a fantastic stat line, right? But what they fail to mention is that Lamelo is shooting the ball at 24.7%. And yeah, that's not a great number. And as you'd think he shoots that number, you know, you wouldn't shoot a ton. Wrong. He takes seven threes a game. So think about that. Like think about all that wasted production for Illawarra players who are not touching the ball on a lot of these possessions. Not only that, but he generally shoots the ball around 17 times a game. And he only makes around six of those shots with that percentage, right? So that's 11 good looks that could Illawarra Hawks players in, you know, his time away with injury. Like, I don't know. If I was the coach, I wouldn't be too unhappy. Obviously, having a phenom like Lamelo Ball in your team is tough with all the media attention constantly watching your team. And obviously, this is going to affect the coach's minutes and where he distributes them. Lamelo is a big ticket item and people want to watch him. Ergo, coach Matt Flynn of the Illawarra Hawks needs to play him more minutes and, you know, more minutes than he might deserve. His current PER, which is his player efficiency rating we spoke about a bit earlier, isn't too bad. It's at 19.8, considering the league average is 15. But I'm not saying is a bad player. I just think that this injury is going to open up opportunity for players who have been starved the ball due to the NBA hopefuls' appearance in the NBL this season. I love watching him play, but Matt Flynn must have one less headache for the next four weeks without him, as he can play players based on their merit and how they fit his actual structure. And in brighter news for Illawarra, they just signed 6 foot 10 inch, 22 year old former Cleveland Cavalier, Billy Preston, to take over the import spot left vacant by the injured Aaron Brooks all those weeks ago. So shout out Aaron Brooks, hope recovery is going all right. So th- this guy, Billy Preston, is a baller and things are getting desperate in Illawarra. So they need the help as they sit bottom of the NBL ladder. That being said, they have Melbourne United, the 36ers, Breakers, Phoenix in the next four without Lamelo. 
they'll be able to test themselves against, you know, teams like Adelaide away in New Zealand. My guess, though, is they continue to struggle, but they may steal that New Zealand game and potentially shock Phoenix. Keep an eye on them over the next four games without Lamelo because it's definitely going to be a question which which I definitely want answered as well because a lot of people are saying that Lamelo is killing Illawarra's chances. A lot of people are talking up his stats. So now we're going to really see the effect of it. And it's also to note that the next star spot doesn't take away a spot for another import. So they're not actually losing too much losing LaMelo Ball in terms of when you look at the players just in terms of their position and take away all the hype and, the, and, and, and everything around it. So it's the same position as Terry Armstrong, I guess, when you look at it that way. Anyway, Tom, I hope I've, uh, I hope I've answered your question. If not, I hope I've given you some understanding around my thoughts and what to expect in the next four weeks. But I think time will tell. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing how the Hawks go. So let's roll this one into some previews of round 11. Okay, Wildcats, let's get into some previews because we have a doubleheader again this weekend, but it's a bit different. We've got that Thursday night game. Look, I love it. Different is good. Different is welcomed. And I'm looking for different because if we play the same way the last two times we played against Cairns, then we're going to get smacked. And they're going to go on to sweep us 3-0 this season. And I really don't want to see that. But I was very interested to see what the bookies did here. They look at it and they say, look, the Wildcats are second at 10-5 and five after two big wins this weekend. And the Taipans are 7-7 seven and seven and at home for this one. And obviously their recent form has led to them being touted as these giant killers. Therefore, the Taipans enter this weekend's contest against the Perth Wildcats as favourites. Yep, favourites. $1.76 to the Cats is $2.07. Snakes being favoured by two points in this contest. So let's have a look at the last five games for the Taipans and see if we can dig into this a little bit more. So I'll go for the most recent first and we'll work our way back through games. So they had a W at home against the top of the table Kings. Sydney scored 98. Cairns scored 103. They had a W against New Zealand at home, 108-90. A W against United, that's a big win, 93-86 at home. They lost to Illawarra away, 114-106, and a bit of a chaos game there. And then they beat the Wildcats. So obviously the last time they played us was five games ago, and they beat us 91-84. We all know what happened there. It's been well reported on. However, this team's also beaten Sydney and Melbourne twice. They're not bad scalps to take, especially if Cairns get to the end of the season, you know, and they get to some playoff madness. They've already beaten those teams up there. They're going to have all the confidence in the world to take this league on. So as I've kind of reviewed these guys twice already this year, I won't bore you with their team once again. What I will do is I'll give you guys three keys for the game, for the Wildcats to get a win in this one, okay? So firstly, we got to get Scott Machado in foul trouble early. Teams have been successful in getting Scott to commit fouls when they drive on in this season. It has led to them already fouling him out of one game, and he's accumulated four in three other contests. Mike Kelly made the decision two weeks ago against Melbourne to leave Scott out there with four fouls in the third quarter, and it paid dividends, so, you know, the dude's smart enough to be out there and not commit the fouls, unlike, you know, Brandon Ashley, some of the other cats out there in the league. It's a risk because if they do lose Scott, then they're a completely different team. Let me break it down for you this way. When Scott's off the court, Jared Kenny is on the court, and that mullet, my nightmares. Let's compare these two this season. Scott has a team-high PER of 24.3. Jared Kenny is 0.8. So remember that 15 is the average for PER, guys. 0.8. Now, let's look at their net ratings. So this is the difference between the player's offensive rating and their defensive rating. So Scott Machado has a very respectable net rating of 8.9, whereas Kenny's is a very disrespectful negative 43. 
for a difference of 51.8 points. Now that's just astronomical. And look, it's obvious that Kenny isn't a great offensive player, but I didn't realize just how bad it was until I did a bit of a deep dive on the stats. So luckily, Cairns do have DJ Newbill to pick up the offensive slack and the scoring, but he always has his hands full with Cotton in these games, and that kind of brings me to my next point. We really got to get a hand up and in on DJ Newbill offensively. We can't forget about him offensively because I know all the kind of focus goes on Scott and Cam Oliver, but DJ is a baller and he is a killer and he's killed us twice already this season. Don't believe me, go back and look at the stats. We need to get our hand up, turn that music down, because DJ is mixing and matching it up with the best guards in the NBL this season. The Cairns captain is going crazy, especially of late. 31 points in his last outing to bury the Kings. One of the league's finest answers for Bryce Cotton as well, uh, matchup-wise. He makes Bryce work both ways down the court because he is a more than competent scorer himself. Shooting the three at 42.3%, and I know I bring up this three-point stat a lot, but they are just shooting them so damn well. The league average for three points is around 35%, showing DJ's dominance when he shoots it at 42%. We got to get in on him. We got to slow down his scoring and we got to make him work and actually hit him with some really hard screens on the defensive end come this, uh, this Thursday night. That's the second key for the Perth Wildcats to get a W. My third point is open threes and I've just left it open threes because following on from DJ Newbill's threes, we need to restrict these in, in general four cans. So cans are the third best three-point shooting team in the league and we need to ensure that we are making life difficult for them. So Cairns shoot the three ball at 38.1% as a team, to the Wildcats is 37.9%. And so that just shows you how good they've been so far this NBL 20 season. Cam Oliver will tend to linger around the arc, so the top of the arc there, and we need to be very aware and weary every time he tries to shake a big at the edge of the arc because he gets a lot of open looks there, open threes, and he does knock them down this year. Not only that, but Majok Majok and Kuat Noy they can stroke it. DJ can stroke it, as I've already said. And you better believe that Scott Machado can deliver the mail to these open shooters whenever they're in space. And he will do on Thursday night. So in contrast to that, we're going to need to work really hard off ball with screens down low to lead to open shots. Watch this contrasting manner in which both these teams get their shots on Friday. Cairns will be looking for their open threes out of Scott's hands, either looking to dish on a drive or make the shot himself. Whereas Perth will be doing a lot of work on pin down screens and creating chaos in the key to make some misdirection and space for open shots. So that's just a little side point for you guys to keep an eye out on. So my prediction from this one, guys, I believe the Wildcats disrupt Kansas game plan enough to steal a W at the snake pit on Thursday night. I may be bullish on the Cats after this week's doubleheader, but I haven't forgotten what Cairns have reduced us to the last two outings we've seen them. Cans of players, which they depend on, which play such a distinct role for their team that if we can just throw Machado's game off a little bit and not let Space Cam get the crowd on their feet with his energy and watch the hot hand of either Kwatnoi or Majok Majok at any point throughout the game and our offense should take care of the rest. I'm taking the underdog cats in this one, the cat dogs. Let's roll it. Time for our revenge. So I'm going to roll this one into a quick preview of the Brisbane game, guys. So super quickly... Saturday, we host the Brisbane Bullets. And I'm going to keep this one pretty short and pretty sweet because I think we've covered Brisbane a little bit as well this year as a team we've already faced. So Brisbane have been been slightly flat-track bullies this year, meaning that they've beaten all the teams below them. Well, except us, yep, they beat us over there in Brisbane in a disgusting fixture, but we'll gloss over that because I think that, was, that game was a little bit of an anomaly for us. This time, they come to Perth, and I would be very, 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 very surprised if they beat us here. I say this because this Brisbane team haven't got it all right this season. Their imports have been somewhat lackluster when compared to the rest of the competition. EJ Singler's been okay. Like, Lamar Patterson's been their scorer and has been good at it. Taylor Braun is all right. But if I was to do a quick rank of 
our imports and their imports, I'd go Bryce, Bryce 1, Tariko 2, Lamar 3, Dario Hunt 4, EJ Singler 5, and Taylor Braun 6. So obviously showing you the dominance of our imports there. Lamar Patterson is a baller, but they really needed to hit on one of their other imports to give the league a shake-up this year. Brisbane are currently 7th, with a record of 6 wins and 8 losses, showing just how much they've struggled this season. So let's look at Brisbane's recent form, just like we did the Cairns Taipans. So they lost to the Breakers, they beat the Hawks, lost to the Phoenix, then they were just punished by Melbourne as well. So remember when I said they were flag track bullies? It appears they're not even doing that anymore, with New Zealand recently giving them the business. Lamar Patterson is an enjoyable player to watch, and he's coming off a 36-point game as well, might I add. As I said, I think he's the second best player on a championship winning team. So unless Brisbane release like one of their current imports, probably Taylor Braun, not that I want that exactly for players like, you know, and their longevity in the league, because I do think that he is a pretty decent player in this league. I just don't think that he's that caliber, which Brisbane need to go to the next level. And unless they do something like that and find a gem, I just don't think they're going to be there come finals time at the end of this season. So it's Brisbane visiting the jungle this Saturday, guys. I don't want to kind of delve in any more than that because i really do think we should win this one i don't think there's a lot more to roll in this one as well and we've had a had a long podcast to date and we're also going to be rolling this into my nbl 20 starting five for midway through this nbl 20 season but it's brisbane visiting the jungle this saturday 5 p.m australian western standard times the cats are waiting and ready for you brisbane it's the sunshine state be the sunset city and i can't wait let's go Okay, guys, so thanks so much for hanging around for this long in the pod. It's been a fun one. It's been action-packed. It's been content-packed. I hope you had fun. What I'm going to do now is we're following on from last week's pod. So if anyone didn't catch it last week, I named kind of like an all-Australian 40 squad for midway through this NBL 20 season. And from that kind of all-Australian squad, it's not really an all-Australian squad because obviously players are from all different nationalities, but the basis of the squad is that I've selected 15 players and from those 15 players I'm going to select my NBL 20 starting five that'll be inclusive of two guards two forwards and a center and as I said listen in you can just jump on last week's pod to find out the 15 players that I named but I'll name so far through this NBL season the NBL first team as we've hit the halfway mark so firstly from the Cairns Taipans guard Scott Machado so why the Cairns Taipans are back to 500, sitting inside the top four at seven wins and seven losses, and a big reason for this is Scott Machado. Not only have the Cairns Taipans salvaged the season, but they've beaten all other teams left above them on the ladder. Melbourne, Sydney, Perth twice. We've got them coming up again, guys, as you've just heard. A big reason for their success is the emergence of Scott Machado in the NBL. As previously mentioned in a different post, Scott was momentarily part of LeBron James's Lakers last NBA season, and you can see why they liked him so much. He facilitates the ball with ease. He makes very smart decisions. He shoots the long ball with class. He has one of the best net ratings in the NBL, meaning that he plays hard two ways down the court, and he has five double-doubles on the year as well, just to help his case and help his team to where they are right now and how they help with their, their ball movement around the court. Averaging 16 points and leading the league in assists with 8.5, by far and away better than the next best. I hope to have a league where we have at least four-point guards like Machado with his ability. I mentioned he shoots the three-ball well. He shoots it at 42%, in fact, and he shoots a few per game. His lethal ability to hit shots ensures defenders close out on him, allowing him the space to beat his man and facilitate the offense. Cairns are literally a different team when he is off the court. Teams put on big runs, which shows his importance in being able to hold the ball up. 
He's loving the scoring options around him, like Cam Oliver, Kwat Noy, Majok Majok. Expect him to keep pushing this season. Teams need to game plan for Scott for the second half of this season. Otherwise, Cam's going to be a real problem. So the way they plan for Bryce Cotton, I'd start planning for Scott Mikado. That brings me to the second guard in this NBL 21st team for the midway point of the NBL 20 season. Guard, Perth Wildcats, Bryce Cotton. Why? Why not? I'm doing it, so I like him. Nah, but how could you not when all I've heard from people is about the lack of depth that Perth has this year? Cotton literally needs to carry the team, and guess what? We're second with 10 wins at the halfway point of this season. And who is to thank for this lot of success? I'd say a large portion to Bryce Cotton. He's averaging 21 points this season. That's inclusive of a game where he only scored two points as well, guys. That's going to sway his average. Still managed to keep it up with his average being around that 21-point mark. He's currently playing more minutes than any other guard in the league. And he's playing these minutes in extremely high intensity. As you previously found out earlier in the pod, the guy is a, is a minutes machine, so keep him running. He knocks down shot after shot for the Cats. And it's, it's not hard to argue him into the NBL 21st team so far this year. I guarantee NBL teams hate seeing him step on a dime, rising up from three, because he drops at 41% of the time. And did I mention he shoots seven or eight of them a game? He's having an NBL career best year, rebounding and assisting the ball. And teams know when he steps onto the court. Bryce is a walking bucket. He's a competitor. Can he get another MVP in him? I'm thinking he drops 40 at one point this season, as previously mentioned. He's already dropped 36 and 34 this season. I'd love to see him make a case. He's made a case to me already halfway through, but I think there's still more growing to be done. There's more Bryce to come. So welcome in Bryce. So we're moving on to the Fords from the Sydney Kings, from the league-leading Sydney Kings, Jay Sean Tate. And he's having an incredible year. In this, his first NBL season. Averaging 15.9 points per game on 66 shooting, that's probably why I'd say. However, he also adds around 6 boards per game, as well as lots of hustle, effort and character to this Kings lineup. He's an efficient scorer and an energy guy. He's been a bit lackluster the last two outings, but to that point, he's been putting up like 20 plus points per game for fun this season, getting shots where he wants to down low, as well as talking more smack than like the wrestler of the rock out there. Dude loves to run his mouth and it's great to see in the league. That real NBA style, naughty 90s player attitude to them, which I love. So Sydney Kings are atop of the NBL ladder and this guy's a big reason for it. In a team with as much talent as Sydney's, it's difficult to stand out. But even at 6'4", Jay Sean's game helps him outmuscle, outthink and outplay some of the bigger power forwards in the league. He's the most efficient scorer in the NBL this season. Efficiency is everything in this crazy game. And if you can be the most efficient player with big minutes, you deserve to be here. So welcome to the NBL 20 team, Jay Sean Tate. My next dude who's joining these three fine gentlemen in this team is another fine gentleman himself, and that's Mitch Creek. It's the new age gentleman though, isn't it? Mitch Creek of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix has injected a homegrown star power to the league that we have been starved. We've always had the Australian players, but one like Mitch who comes off such a good season in Minnesota, where he played for the Timberwolves, where he worked his way into a decent role player position, like to choose to play in the NBL is just awesome. It's, it's really good to see. It's really going to progress our game. Mitch started the NBL 20 season like, like a man possessed, and after his first three games, analysts, sportscasters were already given the MVP. Like, admittedly, he's slowed down since then. However, Mitch still averages a very impressive stat line, which demonstrates his value all across the court. So generally, he plays around 33 minutes a game, 21.6 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, 4 assists. At 6.5, he can cover most of the positions in the NBL, and his player efficiency rating ranks inside the top five. So... So PER is a player efficiency rating, and it strives to measure a player's per minute's performance type of situation. So 
trust me when I say he's right up there. It's never easy to take a new franchise to success, and generally you see some teething pains. This wasn't the case of the Phoenix, who until this week had not dropped out of the top four in their first NBL season. This is largely due to on-court leadership, effort, and commitment by the team captain, Creek, and his ability to make the right decisions. Mitch isn't the most skilled player, but he is absolutely one of the hardest working in the NBL. For a team which is deemed to lack depth and projected to miss the playoffs at the beginning of the season, the Phoenix are making some noise, and you should listen because Mitch Creek isn't done with you all just yet. So that rounds out the guards and forwards in this NBL 20 mid-season first team. And finally, I need myself a shot blocking center. So I've gone and got myself the finest in the NBL to this point, and that's Sean Long from Melbourne United. He is the premier center in the league, and we don't have one that can do anything like what he can do. He's another one of those guys like Machado in the sense that I just want four more of them in the league to just vastly improve the competition and the quality of the league itself. Sean Long is your old school post scorer who has all the hops in the world. The guy just physically looks like a superstar. There aren't many centers in the league who hold a light to him stats wise, but that's just a testament to him. Some centers have been able to curb his game slightly when playing against him, but more often than not, Sean Long gets to the rack, protects the paint and causes havoc for the opposition. Melbourne United's number 21 almost averages 20 points per game on 56% shooting, 10 rebounds per game and 1.5 blocks per game. Like Deshaun Tate, Sean Long is another player who comes from fairly stacked team. Even though Melo Trimble is undoubtedly having a great year, it is still evident when watching the games that Sean Long is, is the problem of the opposing defense. And for that reason, he finds himself in the NBL 21st team and not Trimble. Like I said, I think a few people have been snubbed and he's definitely high on the list of those snubbed. Not snubbed exactly, but you know, deserving, but not there. Either way, the only thing that Sean needs to improve the second half of this season is his three-point percentage because last season he was shooting it like a good 10% better than what he's shooting it this season. However, this is bully season and they have Mellow Trimble patrolling the arc. They want their big man inside knocking bodies in the paint. So that's why, look, he's been so massive this season. You can see that a few years ago, like five years ago, he would have been the ideal NBA caliber player. But his inability to shoot the three ball, it just kind of drops him out of there. But he's still just another specimen in the NBL for the time being. And like I said, I'm very happy to take all those big centers off the hands of the NBA. They're not willing to play and pay these huge centers because I still think there's a role for them in our game. Like we're a fairly undersized league, I think, to an extent, not posting many seven-footers. So the more we can get, the better. If you can't shoot, come over here and bang the body around, give it a try. You could be like, look, not to say Sean Long can't shoot, just to say that I wouldn't mind, you know, more players of his caliber who are willing to get inside that athletic build, that Darrow Hunt build, just obviously Darrow Hunt's more of that, that poor man, sure, long to an extent. Sorry to say that on a, on a Cats podcast, however. But that's my NBL first team for the halfway through this season. I'd love to know what you guys think about it, who's been left out of this team or who I should include. I'm really happy with how mine turned out. I have one player from each of the current top five teams. Like that was never intentional. It was just a happy coincidence, but it's good when things work out that way. And I think it's fair it works out that way. So heaps of guys I could have included, one being Tariko White. However, he's missed games, but I honestly do believe when healthy, he's one of the deadliest in the league. Cam Oliver, also unlucky to miss out. Melo Trimble, Casper Ware, list goes on. I'm very unlucky because like I said, if you listen to the last pod, there's about nine guards that I included in my 15 because there's just so many good guards in this league. It's a guard heavy league. But that's the nature of the NBL First team, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Lots of action to follow this weekend, with games kicking off this Thursday night, so ensure you're ready to watch your favorite team take the court. From all of us here at the Cool Cats Corner, say goodbye, Gracie. Bye. Thanks for chilling, and we'll catch you next week. Much love.